James Clark of East Village Times joins us to talk Padres today, discussing everything from Mackenzie Gore to Fernando Tatis Jr. and the future and direction of this organization, also what he believes to be the bigger picture of this rebuild, discussing trades that Preller has made. We also talk about Fred McGriff's Hall of Fame candidacy. This is a two-part episode, so be on the lookout for the next episode next Friday. Welcome to Painting Corners. Your weekly podcast for all things baseball. Now, here are your hosts, Austin Hartsfield and Dave Kwiatkowski. All right, James, we are going to dive right on in. We're going to talk about the San Diego Padres system through and through. We're going to check all the nooks and crannies. We're going to start at the catcher position. There's kind of like a little divide when it comes to the main catcher position about see what these fans want. You have Francisco Mejia, who is part of one of my favorite trades in all of baseball in the past couple years. You get Francisco Mejia for Brad Hand. This team wasn't going to use Brad Hand. You turn it into the number one catching prospect in baseball. Then you also have Austin Hedges, who is going to be a good catcher, is a good catcher at this point. And there seems to be two camps, the Mejia camp and the... And the Hedges camp kind of explain that and why that is the way it is. Yeah, you know, the San Diego Padres definitely have more questions than answers right now. And that's a common theme throughout the whole roster. Uh, you're, you're correct as far as the two camps are concerned. Uh, the two players complement each other really well. You have, de- you have Austin Hedges, who's a defensive-minded catcher, uh, right-handed hitter, knows the system really well, knows the pitchers really well, has, has built a relationship with a lot of the pitchers. And then you have Francisco Mejia, the uh, 23-year-old, going to be 24-year-old, switch-hitting, offensive-minded catcher. Uh, you know, the defense is is a concern with Mejia. I saw him in small glimpses last year at the Major League, uh, at Major League uh, in the at San Diego, and, and there are some definite concerns with his framing ability, his pitch calling ability, uh, the receiving ability. But he is definitely has one of the best arms in all of baseball right now, and, and I think Andy Green even even made mention of that last season. So uh, the Padres have they have questions. So I, I don't know. I don't have answers for you. I've seen Hedges rumored in in numerous trade proposals. I haven't seen Mejia recently uh, since the Thor rumors have died down for the Mets. So it looks like they're probably leaning towards keeping Mejia and, and building around him. A- anything can happen with this team. I don't, I don't even think the front office really knows what what they're going to do. It, it all depends on what kind of offer they have or, or where they go. Or, or it, The Padres are, are pretty flexible in, in that regard. They seem to have different avenues to, to go down, and depending on which way a trade goes or which way an acquisition goes, they'll, they'll kind of uh, adjust to that. So we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. So uh, behind those two, the, the catching depth is amazing, though, in the minor. So I, I don't know. You and I kind of briefly went over that before we started. But um, any questions or anybody you want to talk about in particular from uh, the minor league perspective as far as catchers are concerned? Real quick on Mejia, though. Uh, okay. We, when we talk about catchers, right, the thing that's really lacking in this league is catchers that hit. Yes, it's very very hard to find. It's like finding. It's like finding. It's Wilson Contreras is an anomaly. You see guys like Joe Maurer who have great careers behind the plate and also at the at the dish. You don't find that. You don't find that at all. Buster Posey. I mean, all these guys wind up transitioning into first baseman at the end of their careers. But if you if you had to go through all of the catchers in baseball, you could probably name. One, two that are gonna get hit, gonna hit three hundred every year. I mean, if you if you want to yeah. say two, I think Mejia has that ability, and it's a whole lot harder to teach somebody to hit than it is to teach somebody to call a game, to frame pitches, to do anything defensively. And he has the arm and the foundation to do it. It's kind of just like molding him like clay defensively, so that he can be JT Romuto or even better. Yes, no, I I mean I totally agree with you. I totally see your point. Mejia has that offensive ability and that offensive firepower, but there are some question marks too with it. He's extremely aggressive with his swing, with his approach. He will barrel up pitches constantly, but there's that fear that once pitchers figure out that he's going to just swing him at, at anything, that he's just not going to get strikes, and the offensive ability is just not going to be what it needs to be. So 
there, there's, there's a ceiling of a, of a Victor Martinez type player with him. Of course, is he going to be able to attain that? That remains to be seen, but Austin Hedges is someone that you have to see on an everyday basis to really appreciate. He's not going to kill you with his offensive issues. He's learned to become less of a, of a slump type of player. He's been a little more consistent with his at-bats. At times last season, he was really solid offensively. So I don't think he was ever going to be a 270, 280 type hitter, but if he can hit 250, 260 and, and hit 20 bombs for you and provide gold, gold glove caliber defense, then I can definitely see the the the, the want of, of having him on your team. He's also a homegrown Padre which is very valuable for this team right now, who's just had issues with keeping players and having them establish be or be established at the major league level. So, uh, in a perfect world, I would love to keep both of them and and have them share at bats. Perhaps give Mejia some 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 shots at, at, in the outfield or, or or first or at a DH when, when they go to American League ballpark. But we'll have to wait and see. There's like I said there are so many questions with this team right now. It's it's hard to find any answers right now and anything that's set in stone. 1000% I agree with everything that you just said about it. I mean, Francisco Mejia can he, he's to the point, right? And he's got the athletic ability that he can play the outfield and that flexibility is everything. I mean, if you Yeah, yeah. If you don't have versatility in this league at this point, you're going to find your way in and find your way out very very fast. Exactly. So, yeah, but see, his his true value is is behind the plate because if you move him to to the outfield, he turns into a, an average, slightly above average left fielder. I mean, on the real, so it's 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 hard to say. I, I can understand how the Indians wanted to maximize his potential now and get two quality relievers for their playoff run last season. So I can see where they were coming from. Uh, the Padre fans are definitely happy. The Padres are definitely happy to have this number one catcher in, within their system. It, it adds to an overcrowded system. It gives them more depth at the catching position. I mean, when you're talking about behind those two with Austin Allen, Luis Torrens, Camposano, Hunt, uh, Marcus Green, I mean, there's a number of, of young catchers in the system already. So adding Mejia to the top is just icing on the cake for, for a Padre Farm system that is number one in, in, in all of land. Yeah, and it, they're number one in a lot of positions too. Let's talk yes. about Austin Allen. You know, we just talked about the ability, you know, it's how hard it is to find catchers that hit. Austin Allen uh-huh. has that ability. I mean, and he's yes. not only that, but he could also play first base. We just talked about versatility. Is Austin Allen close? Do we think he's he uh, spends time in Amarillo this year? Is it more of an El Paso kind of year for him? And is he a piece that probably gets moved? You know, I, I think that he he put up a pretty decent year in San Antonio last, last year. He put up a 857 OPS. He was pretty consistent. Uh, his issues has been defensively. That's what the 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 problem or what the the main thing that scouts pick on with him is that his receiving abilities, his arm isn't necessarily an issue. It's more of receiving abilities. Uh, in seeing him last year in spring training, he put on a lot of muscle. He put a lot on a lot of strength, and I saw, I heard reports from numerous pitchers that they were happy with how he progressed defensively. I don't think he was ever going to be a gold glove caliber type defender, but he's a left-handed hitter with power, very good size, and he's a decent hitter as well. He's not just going to be a power type bat. He's going to be able to to potentially hit 270, 280 in the major leagues and and do it consistently. So he does have value. I can see him uh, being of, of interest to certain teams at, at, eventually. Um I would imagine he starts in El Paso, and I, and I would imagine that the Padres have probably included him in, in some of their trade packages here and there because with Hedges and, and Mejia above him, there's just sadly not a place for Austin Hedges at this point. I mean, he's, uh, gosh, he's 24 years old. Uh, you know, he's older than, than Mejia. He's he's a couple years younger than Hedges. It's, it's, just, uh, it's just not a good organizational fit at this point, but there is definite upside with, with him for sure. I feel like I'm going to say this a lot, but he's a guy that I feel like they missed his window, basically. Yeah. At, at this point, the Padres just traded and, and, and signed a glutton of, of players. They, they signed a numerous amount of, of starting pitchers. They signed numerous amount of young Latin infielders. 
they're kind of all crammed together at the lower minor league system right now, and they're kind of letting the cream rise to the crop, and that's pretty much what's happening. Um, Allen was was drafted at, out of out of a Florida junior college, I believe, or a small a small college in Florida. Was 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 I wouldn't say he wasn't un, he wasn't unheralded. He was a fourth round pick. He was there was potential there. the The question was whether or not he was going to be able to stick at catcher or be a, a left handed first baseman, uh, a left handed hitting first baseman. So um, there's upside there with him. And and if if I was another team, that's someone who I would definitely target as a potential. Uh, someone to build around, someone to platoon with a, a right-handed defensive-minded catcher, someone who can take some some uh, at-bats at DH, someone who could potentially play first base for you as well. So other than the three that we've talked about, who is a catcher in the system right now that you absolutely just love? Is it those three? Do you have another? Is there a couple uh, others? You know, Luis Torrens had major league experience, was drafted in Rule 5 from the Yankees uh, a couple seasons back. He's had a decent year in Lake Elsinore last year. Uh pretty decent upside with him he's still relatively young uh the major league experience is is definitely is definitely good for him he'll probably start the year in amarillo i would imagine after spending most of the year in lake elsinore uh luis camposano and blake hunt were drafted uh right near each other a couple of seasons ago camposano had a productive year in fort fort wayne last year at 20 years of age he'll probably be in lake elsinore Uh, another defensive plus catcher with a great bat uh, Hunt is a superb defensive catcher who a lot of pitchers uh, rave about. Is also 20 years old. Got a little taste of Tri City last year. Performed well. He was kind of up and down. He got a little bit out of his swing at, at one point. Uh, he started a little later than Camposano. He had a shoulder injury uh, when the Padres uh, first draft him. Um, I'm pretty close to Blake. I've talked to him numerous times. He's 100% healthy and, and ready to go. That's another young player. I mean, when you're talking about Camposano Hunt, you're talking about 20-year-olds at the lower level who could eventually be viable major league catchers. You know, we know it takes a little bit longer for catchers to progress, but these are defensive-minded catchers who are already plus defenders who the bats kind of is progressing, and, that, and that's a good thing. So, uh the catching system is, is something that the Padres have have depth in. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, Nick Gatewood is another uh, catcher slash uh, left um, left handed hitting first baseman who they drafted uh, this past season. Uh, Johnny Hamza's a uh, Alaskan infielder who was drafted a couple seasons a, a couple of years ago out of high school. Who they transitioned into a catcher who's really progressed well. Who I've heard uh, glowing reports about. So uh, catching is not an issue for the San Diego Padres moving forward. They will have plenty of catchers in the next 10 years for sure i think hoard is the word there yeah they, they aj preller loves to hoard certain positions and catch the catching position is one that he has hoarded uh plenty of talent of for so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and move on to the next next spot next position i know that you're probably gonna cringe when i say this eight years 144 million dollars total for yeah. cosmer I prefer to look at it at five and 105, if, yeah. you, if you will, because yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like to get into the. the <laughs> you just, the, you the, just the, hope the, he hates it enough to go away. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I made the, the distinction of, of predicting, uh, of actually guaranteeing that he would not sign, or the Padres would not sign him last offseason. Uh, that went well. I had plenty of egg on my face from that. I didn't think it was a good signing. I still don't think it's a good signing. He had a subpar last year. Last year, I, I don't, I don't know what what to say about it. Um, hopefully, he's making some amendments in his swing right now because, you know, I'm not a huge analytical guy, but his launch angle was pretty atrocious. I mean, when you're continually pounding balls into the ground, you need to make an adjustment. You're out in front of pitches. Just, just make an adjustment. And the sad part is people on the like on the outside that didn't have to actually watch him because as a Red Sox fan, you know, I'm here in the central time zone. So after I finish with the Red Sox games, there's always. Yeah, see, why, why didn't you guys sign him last year? Listen, why, why didn't you? Because <laughs> why because... couldn't you? Couldn't, couldn't you guys give him the 180 million and, and make him happy? We gave we gave eight to Mitch Moreland and we're like, you know what? This I is know. fine. <laughs> yeah. And and look what it and look what it did for you guys. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes it's better to just uh, 
Just uh, you, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Uh, So, I mean, there was a huge drop off in every single statistical category for him, except for strikeouts, which obviously increased. He's like anti Chris Davis. He doesn't. He doesn't put. He doesn't put balls in the air. He slams them into the ground, and it's an absolute issue for a team that's so young to have to watch that as their franchise quote unquote leader at that point, who's supposed to be this guy in the locker room, you know is not performing and doesn't seem to be handling it well at all either. Yeah. He was pretty unattainable last season as far as trying to get a hold of, you know, I'm, you know, I had credentials with the team. I wasn't the most, uh, reputable in there in, in gaining, uh, interviews and such, but I tried to talk to him all year and, and he was not made available to me. Uh, I don't know if they're they were just protecting him because he was the franchise type player, the the, the superstar, if you will, brought in. But at, at some point, he, he's going to get better. He's got to get better, right? I mean, uh, I think the the cruel reality is he started a new league. He's Never been outside of sl- Kansas City at that point. Yeah, never been outside of Kansas City. Never had the weight of of a community on his shoulders like it like it was. Whether or not he can respond in the next coming years it remains to be seen. But you, you gotta you gotta think that once the lineup is around him, once the younger players are around him, he can hopefully feed off of that and, and make some adjustments. There's been reports that he's been working in in Florida and such on a swing. Hopefully, comes spring training, we see that because he does have a lot of ability. There's a lot to like with him, but it's a lot of money, and it's a it's at a position that's that the Padres had. Uh, it's uh, let's let's move on to second base. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about somebody that can succeed him. Is it a guy like Naylor? Is it a guy like maybe Austin Allen moves over, like we talked about? Who is the well, best successor to this position? Naylor is the no brainer. I mean, he is. 21. He had a phenomenal year, the first half of last year in uh, in San Antonio. He looks like the real deal. He's become more patient in his approach. Uh, critics want to point to his size and weight, but I've always said he's a plus athlete. He'll steal a base. He's a decent defender. He's not a gold glove type defender at first, but he is athletic. I've seen him do the splits num- numerous times. He's pretty impressive out there. He played left field last season in Amarillo or in uh, San Antonio in an effort to get more at bats you have to admire that the Canadian left-handed youngster is was the first baseman of the future the team's invested in Eric Cosmer right now they're invested for the next 4 or 5 years in, in Eric Cosmer he's not going anywhere Naylor is 21 will probably start the season in El Paso and is going to probably be major league ready by the end of the year if not sooner so uh, that's another player who's probably going to be trade bait for the team. Sadly, he's not a homegrown Padre. He was attained from the Mar- uh, Marlins uh, a few seasons back, but there's a lot to, a lot to like with him. And uh, beyond him, there's really not much else at first base for the Padres because they have Hosmer and they've kind of structured themselves in that way. So they kind of have fillers throughout the minor league system. Brad Zunica is probably the next one that I would probably mention. A uh, young left-handed, power-hitting uh, first baseman who spent the season uh, last year in Lake Elsinore, who's got uh, exceptional power, uh, needs to be a little more patient and, and probably walk a little more and, and get on base a little bit more, but uh, is uh, is exceptional power and, and he'll probably sadly be at the point where he's going to need to be trade bait as well because you would think that he'll be major league ready in, in a couple seasons as well. So. Uh, Eric Cosmer is just, uh, uh, he's the man at first base for the Padres. It's what the Padres chose to go with and what they chose to do. So we're just going to move forward with, uh, their Cosmer era and, uh, hopefully he'll be the, the, uh, the veteran leadership that, uh, a lot of these young, uh, players need in, in, uh, when this team becomes relevant. So it, to put this into perspective for non-Padre fans, like I, I full-heartedly, I've convinced myself that I think the Chihuahuas could have beat the Marlins last year. Definitely could have beat the <laughs> Orioles. Like you, you put the Chihuahuas yeah. and Orioles in a in a seven game series. I think it's over in like five games. Yeah, yeah. The talent the, the, was so much. Towards the end of the year, when when Quantrill was there and 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 they they were pretty impressive. Logan Allen. I mean, they 
it's 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 fun to talk about the system because this coming year is going to be exciting. I mean, you're going to be in Amarillo. You're going to have a chance to see some pretty exciting uh, pitchers and position players in, in with that team as well. So, we'll get to my favorite in a little bit. Obviously, okay. my favorite's everybody's favorite, so it's it's not it's not like it's a secret. It's McKenzie. But uh, let's go to second base. We're not going to talk about Urias yet. Because I want to talk about World Series champion Ian Kinsler and how odd of a move that was <laughs> to bring in him. A uh, little side note on Ian Kinsler. He is probably three games away from being the most hated man in Boston. Yeah, for... seriously. He was very close to being the GOAT, right? Yeah, I mean... like he was He was Bill Buckner 2.0. I was on the phone with my grandmother because <laughs> she is the biggest Ian Kinsler fan in the world. Like, <laughs> like when he was in Texas, he was the darling and all of that. I was yeah. like, called her. I was like, I just want you to know that your boy's in trouble. And she, yeah. she was yeah. like, what's wrong? I was like, did you not see the error? She goes, yeah, he only threw it like a foot over his head. I was like, try 20. Only. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we were laughing about it. It's all fun and games now because that was yeah, the exactly. 17, 18 inning game that I stayed up till 3 o'clock for. But, you know, he's brought into this Padre organization, I feel like, to mentor more than anything else. It, uh, it's, is that the case? Yeah. Is it holding a spot? I, I it's it's a bizarre move. He's he's the oldest player on the roster by a couple of years. Uh, I think Craig Stammen is the next oldest, uh, and beyond that, there's really not many other players older than 30 years old on the Padres. So uh, there's the comments that he made back in the day about Latin players, which is a little concerning. A lot of Padre fans immediately went to that because we have uh, Luis Arias, we have Fernando Tatis, we have a lot of young Latin players that are about to crest the major league which is roster wild, by the with way. him with him uh i i don't know i like kinsler he's probably arguably a, a top 15 second baseman well at least defensively last defensively season. yes let's go with defensively yeah, yeah stick with that defensive one. yeah you like that save i made at the last second there uh offensively there's there's some issues but he has a track record of being a decent offensive hitter he's still not that old so you think that he'd be able to I, I really don't know. Right now, it looks like he's going to play second base and Luis Urias is going to start at shortstop. That's, that's what, what I was thinking. That's what the rumor has, but Luis Urias was quoted uh, this past weekend at FanFest as saying that he has not talked to the cl- the club or Andy Green about moving to shortstop, so I, I don't know what's going on. The Padres are... Here's the common thing. The Padres have more questions than answers right now, and it, it, I, I don't know. You know, in... It's funny because if somebody just looks at the Padres' top 30 list and doesn't know anything about the system, the first thing that they would say is, you know, man, they don't have a lot of infield help, which is not the case at all. They just have so many great pitchers that it's mm-hmm. flooding the top 30 list. But when yes. you look at the top 100 list, it's it's a little different when it gets to that spot. But I yeah, think you're they're... right. I think Kinsler is holding a spot, basically. I think Urias, I think you're... Uh, suspicion is correct. I think he'll wind up playing shortstop for the first month until or until they think Nando's ready because, I mean, Nando seems to be making waves at this point. Seems to yeah. be having a blast doing it, too. And he, he will he will play for the Padres in 2019 at some point. That's there's, that's a given. I mean, there's just no way that he's going to spend all of next year in the minors. I mean, he's I think he probably would have got a little bit of taste of it if he didn't hurt his thumb last season in, in double A. They the Padres have been pretty aggressive with 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 him. I mean, he skipped all of uh, he skipped all of High A in Lake Elsinore, which is kind of a bummer since that's the, the team that I'm most uh, that I'm nearest and, and that I go to all the time. But he, he's phenomenal, and there's definite uh, upside in the future with with Fernando Tatis. Would I be correct in saying that they're kind of pushing the gas with a lot of these guys because they seem to be progressing very very fast? Yes, they, the 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 team has the team has either pushed players really highly or kind of held back the reins on them, and there, there's been no kind of middle ground. I think that that's in, in talking to to Chris Kemp, who's the international scouting director. He mentioned that he wanted to group them all together, pretty much, if you will, throw them in the ocean and see who swings, see who swims, and who who sinks, and then make a determination on, on what to do with that. And that's why you're seeing. Uh, a player like Logan Allen at 21 in AAA, Naylor at 21 in AAA, Tatis at 20 in AAA for this coming season. That's that's who should be there. Um, there's been Luis Arias was someone who that they aggressively moved up the system, uh, all the way down to people like uh, Eggy Rosario, who's a, a 
an infielder who's at 18 has had a little bit of time in 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 Double uh, A as well for for last season for for the mission or for the uh, for the uh, missions. Uh, they've been aggressive with certain players, and at the same time, they've been. Mason House is a highly regarded uh, left-handed hitting outfielder who was drafted a couple seasons ago, who's yet to see time higher than Tri-City. He saw a little bit of taste of Tri-City last season. He's had a little bit of a strikeout issue, so they've really kind of protected him and not kind of pushed him. So, uh, well, well, it's a good formula. It's 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 led to traffic jams and and, and player jams and, and, and virtually every farm system, but that's definitely a good thing to have especially for a franchise that for 50 years has really never had a farm system like this. It's pretty safe to say, I mean, in the late 80s, early 90s, when Alomar, Bayerga, and players, uh, Joey Corris, players like that came through the system, they had a decent amount of Latin players and Latin talent. But other than that, it's been pretty dry. They have not embraced the Latin community. They've had a facility in the Dominican Republic for the past 10 or 12 seasons, uh, and that's bared no fruit at all. I mean, Reimer Liriano s- sniffed a little bit of Major League action a couple of seasons ago, but other than that, they've really produced nothing from that island, and that's changed, and it's it's changed in a, in a huge way. So what do we think the ceiling is for Urias? Uh, it's tough to say. I, I know that everyone wants to throw the Altuve comp, but Altuve is a freak. There's no way to, to compare the two. Uh, Urias is, is bigger than Altuve, he doesn't have the power that Altuve has, but I do see power developing him. He's always had gap power. He's always had the ability to burn outfielders. Ever since I watched him in Lake Elsinore, I saw outfielders creep in on him, and he's burned them constantly. You know, it's not going over the fence, but when you're one hop in the wall, on a, on a, it's it's developing power. And we're talking about a 21-year-old who's going to get bigger and stronger in time. So he could probably be a 15 to 20 home run guy. But we're talking about a guy who has the potential to hit 300 in the major leagues, and that's pretty rare. Are we are we talking Pedroia, like somebody like that who uh, has that 10 to 15 homer deal, but he's always going to hit 300. He's going to be good defensively. Like, is it? Gonna I, be I think like that. I think that's that's probably a good ceiling for him. I think that's a good comp. Pedroia's probably one of those who's a you know when it's all said and done, a, a, a going to be in a Hall of Fame discussion, but maybe not make it, but going to have you know reasonable talk about it. I think. You know, it's hard to it's hard to put labels on on players, especially Definitely. when you're so young. And, and but I I I love what I see. I mean, this is a guy who's walked more than he struck out at, at virtually every level he's played at. He's got great hand-eye coordination, great bat-to-ball skills. He's an excellent number two hitter, decent speed. Although he's not going to probably steal too many bases for you, he's an awesome defender. He can play an adequate shortstop. You know, he's not the biggest of guys, but I think more importantly, he's a Mexican infielder and we're talking about the san diego padres who are the stadium's eight to ten miles away from the border we're talking about a a team that needs to for a long time that i've said needs to establish latin players needs to establish their mexican connection you're talking about a team that's 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 landlocked i mean we have the ocean to the west we have the dodgers and the angels to the north we have the desert to the to the to the east and we have Mexico to the, to the south of us, and that's a team that needs to be embraced. That's a, a culture, a country that needs to be embraced. They they will more they will pay their money. They will come across the border. They will watch these Mexican superstars. And the Padres have created a lot of young Mexican players, so it's exciting. When we have Tirso Ornelas, we have uh, Gerardo Reyes, we have Andres Munoz, we have uh, Luis Urias. So there's there's Latin, there's Mexican players that are going to be in the major league soon, and and. I'm just stoked to see this team because I've been a fan of this team for a long time. I've been a baseball fan my whole life, I've, but this is the team that I've rooted for. This is the team that's been here in front of me my whole life, and there's never been this excitement about them, so I, I'm I'm pretty hyped with uh, the future of this team for sure. It's basically like having having a loaded gun and say that you can't shoot it until like 2020, and it's kind yeah, of crazy because yeah. you have it in your hands and you just want to use it, you know, and well, do something. Well, well, let's let's talk. Let's get into this because this is the biggest thing right now. And I know you're not you're not a Padre fan. You don't have to to listen to to the fan base and, and what they're. Oh, I see it. Dream, it is toxic. About. And Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are what the fan base is is just demanding right now and wanting so badly because they see the fact that this 
team has the financial flexibility for the next five to 10 years to take on a 30 to $35 million contract. No problem. They could do that. But then, you know, you and I talked before, we're talking about the San Diego Padres here. Are, are the San Diego Padres going to hand out the richest contract in the history of sports? I mean, we're not talking about baseball. We're talking about the history of sports when you're talking about Harper and Machado and what it's going to take to land them. So, you know, I, I see where they're coming from. I know where they're coming from. But then again, this team is not ready to win right now. This team is just not ready. There's too many questions with this team. And 2019 should be more about evaluation. It should be more about keeping an eye on Lauer and Lucchese and Nix and, and Kennedy in the rotation, adding Chris Paddock and Qual Quantrill and, and, uh, and Logan Allen to the mix and seeing which of those guys are going to be viable starters. If you add in two or three veteran major league pitchers, guess what? Those guys don't get to start. Those guys don't get an opportunity to pitch at a major league level. So you stunted their growth. You stunted a whole year of their growth and you don't have an opportunity to see them. The, the third base issue is something that's, that's ongoing. The shortstop issue is something that's ongoing. The Padres don't have answers at either one of those positions. I can see where Manny Machado makes perfect sense in that regard. But we're, again, we're talking about potentially one of the richest contracts in the history of, the, of sports. And then there's this this elephant in the room that no Padre fan seems to want to talk about. Do these guys want to play in San Diego? Exactly. You know, I know I know Bryce Harper's Mormon and he loves to vacation here and his wife is from here and he takes pictures at the at the Mormon temple all the time. But do they want to be a franchise a uh, face of of a franchise that for 50 years has been horrible? Does Manny Machado who's time and time again said he wants to play on the East Coast, said he wants to be in the East Coast, want to play for the Padres and are the Padres going to go that extra mile and outbid the Phillies and outbid the White Sox and Padre fans are expecting them to do that I mean is that smart baseball for a franchise that's trying to establish themselves for a franchise that's trying to get their their feet out from under them can this team go from a 60 win team to a 90 win team by adding Manny Machado that's not going to happen and here's here's my thing right so when we when we talk about this team and you you know these guys are like oh let's go sign Harper let's go sign Machado even let's go sign Keiko like you have this the, you have this beautiful pot of food in front of you you know you're making it <laughs> it's slow cooking yeah. it's slow cooking you don't want to turn up the heat you don't want to make no. the mistake the White Sox are about to make because the White Sox think have this like this quarrel I guess and they this deal that they think that they're one player away. They're not. Yeah. They're no, not yeah. one you're not Manny Machado away from a World Series. Now in that weak division, we could go on about this for forever. I think that they could make the playoffs, but you're not Manny Machado away from being a World Series contender. You can't compete with Houston. You can't compete with uh even the Indians at this point. We'll talk about them when we get to pitching. But why don't don't waste this team that you have and the system that you have to sign a guy who is an egomaniac in Machado, if we're going to talk about it. I have different feelings on Harper. It's a whole different spiel. <laughs> but, I mean, why do you want to sign these people and ruin your payroll? And this is money that you could use on extensions for the players to keep, to keep the stars that you're creating now. Yeah. Well, see, that's a, that's a great argument. I, I don't think that signing and investing 30 to 35 million dollars into them wouldn't necessarily rule the ruin the payroll because the Padres have said continually that they want to go over 100 and and they're looking two or three down years down the road they're at 40 50 60 million so they they could do it but again why invest all that in into players like you say that are a little bit shady at third base when you look at next year's next season's off season and you have yep. Anthony Rendon and you have Nolan Arenado available now those two guys I'd be willing to break the bank for I, I trust their their offensive game. I trust their locker room etiquette. I trust the the presence that they provide to be positive for a young team. I mean, or, or Arenado is is an absolute monster. I mean, yes, they'll be a little bit older than than Harper and Machado currently, but it, it's it's worth it. And and it it might that might be what they are trying to do. I mean, obviously, you can't say. You know, we don't want to take a run at Harper because or Machado because we're going to make a run at Nolan Arenado next season or Anthony Rendon. You can't say that publicly, but that could be what they're thinking and, and pushing back their 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 window and and using 2019 as an evaluation period. You know, the Padres could surprise teams, could surprise people. They could actually be the, the Braves. Braves. Exactly. Yes, people don't want to talk about that, but 
Tatis has the ability to come on and be the, be a type of player that Acuna has and, and be that type of superstar that that didn't start the season with the team, came in in May and June and and just exploded. A young staff that's unheralded that's that's potentially coming. I mean, Paddock's got the ability to be an ace, and he could be here next season. So there's a lot of excitement here, and I can understand the fan base wanting them to spend money because. For so long, we've just been neglected, and we've just been kicked to the curb. And and, and I, I definitely understand those feelings. But at this point, we made it through 2016. We made it through 2017. We made it through 2018. What's one more year? And I definitely see a positiveness in this season. I definitely see this team trending in the right direction. I don't expect for them to compete. And, and there's only one World Series champion. Ask the Dodgers if they're happy about being two-time second-place champions. Are they happy about winning the, the NLS three years in a row? The Manny Machado have, sweepstakes. Like. Yeah, I, I have Dodger fans that are in my family. They they, they don't give a damn about about going to the World Series. If you don't win it all, it, it's what's the point of even going? And the Padres definitely aren't at that point. So just hold your horses, relax, take a deep breath. We got excellent craft beer at Petco Park. Awesome tri-tip nachos, awesome things to eat, awesome things to, to watch and do. Watch Fernando Tatis this year. Watch Chris Paddock. Watch Cal Quantrill. Mixed in with a Fran Mil Reyes, a Luis Urias, a, a Jacob Nix, a Francisco Mejia. Young studs. And, and just watch them grow. And, and just be content with that because you can't force It's baseball. You can't force it. Just got to let it kind of just happen as you interview people right you become kind of friends with guys that you've talked to and one of the one of the biggest guys that i've talked to is actually a marlins fan and, you know he's like oh you know this this place neglects us you know i was like you have two world series championships in the last like, last 30 years mm-hmm. like you you have to think about padre fans who got to a world series and got their hearts absolutely just ripped out and besides <laughs> that i mean congrats you have tony gwynn like what? What else do you want to say? You got to see Adrian Gonzalez do his thing for a couple of years, but other than that, yeah. it's just been brutal to watch, man. Yeah, no, it, it has. I mean, we're talking about five division titles and two pennants in fifty years. Yep, forty-nine years. Or this will be the fiftieth. But I mean, they haven't been over five hundred since two thousand fifteen. Jeez. So I think fans are hoping for for a win in the opening day, so that so that they can be over five hundred for for, for <laughs> in four years. I mean, we're talking about eight straight eight straight losing seasons where the teams finish no higher than third. I mean, this it's it's been sad. So I can understand how a lot of the fan base has this chicken little disease, in which I call it, where they I mean, anything bad happens, it's just they just they're just oh my god, it's just I mean, they're ready for anything to happen. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing, but AJ Preller and and his scouting system and and the baseball operations have really done an extraordinary job of changing the philosophy of this team from the ground up. There's still some issues that need to be resolved, but we're working towards a professional franchise and a franchise that San Diego can be proud of, and that's definitely long overdue, especially since that uh, that other team left, that one that uh, I'm not allowed to talk about. All right, so let's talk about let's talk about Fernando. We haven't really dive, dove deep into him yet. Kind All of, right. I mean, the first word that comes to my mind is phenom. Like everything yeah. that you can see from him, everything that he can, he doesn't do anything that you go, you know what, that's wrong. You know, you know he's mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. him and Vlad are gonna be talked about together forever. You know, those yeah. those are two people that are gonna be linked until the end of their careers because they were the top two prospects in the probably the best two prospects at the top of baseball for for a very long time. I mean, we could talk mm-hmm. about Soto. We could talk about, I mean, Robles was above Soto for most of his career, you know? So yeah. it's guys like that. So give me kind of like the spiel on Fernando Tatis and what people can expect from him in 2019. He just gets it. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, Coming into last season, last winter, the the the, the knock on him or the or the scouting on him was that he had below average speed. That's that's what uh, scouts had kind of put on him. So he went out went out and stole. He stole 16, 20 bases in in Double A last season in in I think eighty games or something like that. Just challenge him. Just challenge him, and he will respond. And that is what makes a major leaguer. That's what makes a, a professional baseball player 
not getting too high, not getting too low, but responding to challenges and, and making adjustments. And that's what he, he's done continually. I mean, this guy's 20 years old. He's, he's, he's just amazing. I mean, and they acquired him for James Shields. I mean, I hate to hate, rub it into White Sox. It's amazing. It, it really is amazing. And, and, I mean, if A.J. Preller flames out and never does anything and the Padres never become successful, that alone will be on his gravestone. I mean, that is it's just amazing. I mean, it, it, that shows the type of, of diligence that they do at the lower minor league levels especially. I mean, two seasons ago, a year and a half ago, they basically robbed the Kansas City Royals of Matt Strom and Asturi Ruiz. Packaging Trevor Cahill... Ryan Buchter and uh, God, who was it? There were Brandon Maurer, three pitchers. Maurer's the only one with the Royals still. Had a horrible year up and down between Triple A. But you're talking about Asturi Ruiz, who has uh, Alfonso Soriano type of comp, who's a bat first type of second baseman, who's a viable prospect. And Strom was was a was their number one prospect for a couple seasons, who's probably going to compete for a rotation spot this year and was phenomenal working out of the bullpen last year. A.J. Preller and his staff deserves praise for, for pulling off deals like that that are just mind-blowing. They, they really are. The Fernando Tatis deal will be the poster child of A.J. Preller's career. Like, anytime yeah, yeah. anybody says A.J. Preller, you know, it's it's a lot like Jimmy Johnson in football. You know, when you think Jimmy Johnson, it's like Herschel Walker trade. This yeah, is going to wind up being like, oh, A.J. Preller? Oh, he traded James Shields for Fernando Tatis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And White yeah, Sox I mean, fans try to defend it. They're like, oh, big game James had some good stretches. You gave up probably the Padres' best player in the next 10 it, years. Yeah, and, and it's amazing because Padres' ownership had basically thrown Shields under the bus, had critiqued him in, in the in local radio. They I did mean, what we did to Pomerantz basically in Boston. Yeah, yeah, but you didn't get top dollar for Pomerantz. No, I don't know did, how the no, White we didn't. Sox – Yeah, I mean the Padres did take on a lot of money for – of Shields contract and essentially they paid 20 to 30 to 40 millions of million dollars for Tatis when you want to think about it that way. So, but again, it's an investment. It's a pitcher that you didn't want that you didn't need. And to get a player of this elk is, is pretty phenomenal. I mean, he skyrocketed up the, the top prospects list and is easily, easily a top five prospect in, in, in all of game right now, if not the best in, in all of land. I just want to, Thank AJ Preller for making two of the biggest deals that I hate more than anything in baseball history, and Drew Palmer and Craig Kimbrell. Um, I want to let's, let's talk about Anderson Espinosa. Yeah, <laughs> you know the guy that we sold as Mini Pedro and now is finally yeah. not injured and is going to be yeah. phenomenal. Like ugh, yeah. Manuel Margot, who's the starting center fielder. It just the list just goes on. It gets it got a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, I hate Drew Pomerantz more than anything on this planet. He's it's fu- it's funny. Worst. It's funny that you mentioned the Kimball trade because if you ask Padre fans, they're still a little upset over it. They still why? I, I don't know. They're they're not happy with Margot's production. You won. They're not happy that 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 Logan Allen might end up turning out to be the best prospect in the deal. Who was like a I say, it's the, the it's the chicken little it's the chicken little disease around here. They complain constantly. I mean, you you get you got four major league talent players for one. Kimbrough was obviously the best closer in baseball for for the time, but to get four prospects of that ilk for a, a, a closer is a pretty decent deal. So I, I don't know what 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 on earth they can really complain about. You at know, this point. it's hard to complain when you got a World Series out of it. But Craig Kimball was a very very small part of that World Series run. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I, but. Again, it where was Margot going to – Margot would never sniff a, a no, time of day in, in, in the Red Sox lineup. Aswahi would have been whatever. And, you know, and it's just – it's it's one of those deals that's kind of uh, – it'll take time to, to to analyze, but, you know. It benefited we'll everybody, I think, in, in yeah. a sense, because you, you uncrowded the outfield because if Margot's still here, Benintendi doesn't come up as fast as he does and be a part of this team. I mean – Exactly. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that could happen. It's honestly. a trickle-down effect. It really is, and that's kind of how baseball goes. It, one door opens up and closes doors for numerous others, so you kind of got to be open-minded and let things kind of just work themselves out. And it, uh, it's, it's fun. Like it's, just, I've always compared baseball to life, and, and, and it really is like that. Very, it runs parallel very often, by the way. Yes, it does. So it does. You have Fernando Tatis, who is 
arguably not even arguably is one of the top two prospects in all of baseball but you also have gabriel arias kind of like i know he's a little bit further behind but is he going to be staggered xavier edwards is kind of the same way both guys that i think are a little further off obviously than tatis Mm -hmm. i mean tatis is ready Mm -hmm. these are guys that don't really have a spot right now do you see one of those guys eventually move into third base is that a spot for hudson potts obviously when he comes up in forever or yeah kind of what's what's third base gonna look like as of right now obviously things change but past uh 2019 third base is definitely uh an issue i'm 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 really high on hudson potts i really really love talking to him and really enjoy his work ethic he's a yes sir yes sir no sir i mean when you talk to him he looks straight into your eyes and he absorbs what you say and i I like young players that have that mentality i can see that he's going to be the type of player who's going to grow and get better in in time uh 20 years old he got a little bit of taste of double a last season was a little overwhelmed he performed pretty admirably in the afl this winter uh he'll probably start the season in double a i would imagine in amarillo but it's gonna it's more likely 2021 2000 late 2020 before he's ready uh, the Padres have no answer at third base right now at this point. If they had to start the season tomorrow, you'd probably see like a Ty France out there, uh, a, gener- a, a minor league uh, a third baseman who performed pretty well in Double A AA and Triple A last season. I believe he hit 22 homers, uh, had like 819, 820 OPS. Uh, or maybe like a Greg Garcia journeyman. In, I mean, there's no answer at short or third base for this team right now. Is Miguel uh, Andujar an actual option at this point? You'd, I guess you'd have to ask the New York Yankees, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, that, that I, would be the case. Like I've seen, I, I, I've seen Andujar a lot. And I have, and the price tag is going to be phenomenal. It, it's got to be because you're talking about a young infielder, rookie of the year has, candidate. Yes, and has a high ceiling, but. I don't know what the Yankees are doing. No one ever knows what the Yankees are doing. I, I, I mean, I can, I can see them moving him because he did look really lost at third base last season. Yeah, and, him and Devers both. They're going to be two that are linked at the hip too. There's two guys that got caught a lot of flack from the East Coast media, which we know is the absolute worst when it comes to criticizing <laughs> players. Yeah. Uh, just grilling them about their defense while they're performing at the plate. But another yeah. guy that oddly has no spot on the team that he's actually on right now is Camargo in Atlanta. And I feel like that's a guy that wouldn't be that expensive for this team. And I feel like he's a Preller guy almost. Yeah, no, I I think our site's written something about uh, Camargo being a definite option for the Padres. Again, it it depends on what Atlanta wants. Uh, You know, if Atlanta's able to secure someone like a Marwin Gonzalez, someone who they can kind of float around and move around, then maybe I know that that's what they want to do with Camargo. I don't know if that's necessarily the best option for him. He's someone who could play potentially play shortstop for the Padres too, which is something of interest. I don't know. You'd have to wonder what Atlanta would want for him. Um, the Padres two very have, deep uh, farm systems, by the way. Yeah, deepest yes, deepest it, farm it, system in baseball. Both. Yeah. Two. See, I don't. I don't necessarily think prospects would do it. It would probably be more along 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 the lines of like a Robert Stock, a Kirby Yates. A, Jose Castillo, a, a, a bullpen arm who they can use now and be effective. But then again, why would the Padres? It, it's tough. It's it's really tough. Um, God, I'd, I'd love to be in, in those war rooms and, and be among these talks of, about these evaluations of players. Uh, who knows if the Braves are even shopping Camargo or even want to shop Camargo at this point. I don't uh, think that they're shopping him per se yet. I think that once Austin Riley is ready – that mm-hmm. that will be the time that it's because Austin Riley is going to be really good when he comes up yes. and that outfield is going to be I mean that infield is going to be phenomenal yeah no I mean the, the Braves are like you say another farm system that is just rivals the Padres as far as talent their talent is a little more uh advanced than the Padres at this point uh, the majority of their talent is a double a triple a ready to go now in in the major leagues too as a matter of fact and the Padres seem to be at double a high a low a in, in the 19 20 year old range right now there's some that are that are cresting the major leagues but it's going to be another year or two for the Padres but it, it's just amazing because they have the number one number six pick coming up in uh in June and they also will have their full allotment of uh 
national money to spend, and you know that they will do their due diligence in that regard. I mean, we picked up uh, Luis Patino uh, a couple of seasons ago for, I think it was 300000 and look what he's become. So the Padres excel right now at evaluation of teenagers, and that seems to be their, their strong suit. The major league evaluation is yet to be determined, and there's a little bit of an uproar over what they're doing in that regard. But the young kids seem to be playing well and affecting and and, and growing. Uh, when you look at the Padres system, there really isn't too many that that uh, regressed last season. So that's that's a positive thing um, when you look at the whole majority of, of their whole system from 1 to 50 or 1 to 100. We need to talk about Will Myers. And I know that that's, a, that's somebody that's like Eric Cosmo. Well, I'm a, I'm a Will Myers apologist, so I will... Okay, this is great. I was I was really hoping you were, because I need to know why everybody hates Will Myers. And I understand the contract gets really bad after this year, and it gets actually tremendously yeah. bad. And I think that's a part of the reason for the hate. Well, it, that goes back again to Major League Evaluation and where you kind of scratch your head with this team. They didn't necessarily have to give him an extension when they did, and they did. I don't, and, and then... As they did it, they kind of labeled him as the franchise player, which is not what you want to do to that type of player. I love Will Myers, but he is a compliment type player. He's a number five type hitter, someone who you have two or three superstars around who can who can get hot and carry you from time to time, but isn't someone who can necessarily be labeled as that perennial all-star, that Hall of Fame type player. And, and that's just who he is. He has a... A relaxed attitude, no batting gloves. Uh, does I love the no batting gloves? Yeah, I, mean, I no. still play. I still play ball myself, and I use no batting gloves. Blake Swihart with no batting gloves every time yeah. he comes to the plate. I'm like, let's. He's go. gritty. That's a he's... man right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Myers is. He, he he is who he is, and people need to understand who he is. He's he's not a rah rah motivated type of guy he's not going to take young players under their wings he's not the type of guy that you're going to want to emulate your game after but he works hard he's played five different positions since the team has brought him on including center field and third base which is absolutely ridiculous for them to even consider to put him out there and he did it and he didn't complain at all he made mistakes but he showed good athleticism and was able to man the positions would you want to see him there for a full season no but he went out there and he did it. And I think a lot of fans see the money. They see the fact that he was the one in 2015 when all the players were acquired camp and upped. And he was the young one that was supposed to kind of be the one to build around. And he's never really kind of taken off. He had a, a fantastic year in, uh, in the all-star year in uh, 2016, but it just hasn't had a full season of seeing Myers perform to his utmost ability. He was hurt a couple a couple times last season. He had a sore arm and an oblique injury. <clears throat> but I think, with the exception of Framiel Reyes, on an everyday basis, Will Myers is probably your best offensive player because he has the ability to drive the ball opposite field. When he's on, he is locked on. But when he's bad, he's just really, really bad. So it's... It's something that you think that coaching, you think that growth, I mean, he's still only 27, 28 years old. You think that in time, maybe he can mature a little and, and kind of justify the contract and, and be a decent left fielder. Uh, you stick him at left field and, and he plays 150, 160 games. He should hit around 280 and, and be close to, to 25 to 30 home runs and be close to 20 to, to 25 stolen bases. And, that, and that's pretty solid production. And, and he's a decent glove as well if you leave him in left and and don't put him at positions where he's not natural at. So let's talk about your guy, Fran Reyes. I know you want to talk about him. I asked yeah. you a long time ago. It feels like a long time ago. It feels like so long ago. You know, we were kind of bouncing back and forth, favorite players and, you know, the reasoning for it. Fran yeah. Reyes was the name that you gave me. And, you yeah. Know, he's I, just yeah. incredible, honestly. I had the pleasure of, of getting to know him the last couple seasons in the minors, and and he really took off last season. In spring training, I was hyping him uh, to a lot of the of fans, to a lot of uh, actually a couple of, of scouts that worked for the Padres at the time being, and they still didn't really necessarily buy into him. They thought his swing was a little long. They thought that he wouldn't make the proper adjustments. And in talking to him, it, you know, at, he was 22 last season when I, when I first started to really 
talk to him. He he really perfected his English. He really um, he's an outgoing person in the first first in the utmost. But in speaking to him, you get that sense that he isn't going to settle. He wants to get better. When I interviewed him late last season in uh, in August or September, he was hitting about two sixty or two seventy. And he was telling me how he wanted to hit 300. He was telling me exactly how many hits and how many at-bats he needed to hit 300 for the rest of the season. And he got his average up to 280. But for a big man, a power hitter, for him to be conscious enough to to stop swinging at bad pitches, putting the ball in play, and, and, and worry about his average and worry about things like that, just leads me to believe that there's a high upside with this young man. He's not going to settle. There's, there's certain players that just settle with being in the major leagues, helping out their family. And, and, and that's admirable. I mean, a lot of these players from the Latin countries come from, from poverty. So for them to make it to the major leagues is, is a huge ordeal. And, and they get complacent, if you will, in that. And they get complacent over maybe being an all-star or having a pr- productive year. When I look at Framiel Reyes, he wants to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, that's what he has in his eyes. He wants to be the best in the game. And you got to approach baseball with that type of mentality. Now, will he be a Hall of Famer? Will he have that that type of ceiling? You know, it, it, I'm not going to take that away from him. But you want players to have that kind of confidence. You want players to get better and to and to just strive to get better. And that's what I see in him. And and that's what I love about him. I mean, the dude is a gentle giant too. At six foot five, he always gives me a, a big giant hug. I I, I love Framil Reyes, and I hope that that he's able to stay on the Padres. I, it's just, it's tough. I, I don't know where baseball operations and what AJ Preller has in mind. I've seen him rumored in, in numerous deals. The team's going to have to make a move in the outfield. Uh, that's probably who we're going to talk about next, but the outfield is definitely crowded uh, when you add in Will Myers in a, in a corner outfield position. I think this, I think a crowded outfield is just like a California thing at this point. I feel like every yeah. outfield in California is absolutely crowded, especially the Dodgers and uh, the Padres. But going back to Fran Reyes, and you say, you know, he wants to be a Hall of Famer. He wants this. He wants that. There's something to be said for players that know exactly what they want. We, yeah. we, I got off the phone with Bill Moriarty. He writes uh, Athletics Farm, you know, and he talked to Matt Chapman on draft day. And Ch- Matt Chapman told him that he wants to be the best defensive third baseman of all time. Exactly. And, and that's, that's what you want to hear from these guys. Exactly. Because you get the results. Like, if you yeah. have driven people, I mean, Matt Chapman is already arguably the best third baseman defensively in baseball and is yeah. hitting 260. You know, yeah. so if you have players with goals, you know, Mookie Betts wanted to win the MVP. You have players with goals, they achieve those goals, and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know, this inspires everybody else. But yeah. there's nothing like Mamba mentality when it comes to like people like Kobe Bryant. And it seems like Fran Reyes has that too. Exactly, he does. He he has the drive and the passion and the love of the sport and 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 it when you mix that into the personality that he has, he has superstar written all over him. I mean, with the year that he put out last season, if he was in a, a major market, we would have seen way more from him. But when you're talking about Acuna and Robles killing it and and taking up all the rookie of the year flavor, I can understand why a guy who he hit 16 home runs, had 838 OPS. I mean, he had a great year last year as a, as a Padre rookie, but you can understand how he was kind of just flying under the radar, and, and that's pretty much what motivates him and makes him want to be better, and that's exactly what you want to see. Uh, he had off-season knee surgery. I talked to him or uh, communicated with him a couple times this off-season. He's motivated more than ever to, to come on this season and – and produce, and that's what you want to hear. He's working on his defense. That's uh, an issue with him being a big lumbering guy. Um, it's, it, it, this, this leads me back to the first base issue as well. I mean, Franmil grew up playing first base. He's more than capable of playing first base. That's another option that the team had at first base. But you have Eric Hosmer eating up that position for the next five years. So uh, it is what it is. But I love me some Franmil Reyes. That is for sure. You live on a side of the country that can't even get Mike Trout enough credit. So I mean, it's hard. It's hard to get guys like that credit too. I mean, yeah, seriously. Like you have seriously. You have you have Gary Sanchez hogging up all the media time in New York when you have better players like Aaron Judge on that on the same market. So media is yeah. weird. That's that was yeah. my Gary Sanchez spat. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who's gonna be the opening day starting outfield 
for the San Diego Padres, in your opinion? Is your boy Fran Mel Reyes in there? Is it? Do you have to eat Will Myers, basically, and allow him to play? And who's in center? Is it Margo? I think Myers is pretty much locked and left. Like I, in my eyes, he's the second or third best offensive weapon for this team. He's going to have to play every day, and and it goes beyond more. It goes beyond the the contract. It's not necessarily that they feel encumbered by that, and they they have to play. If, if Will Myers is healthy, he's going to play. Uh, in center, we have Cordero and we have Mar- Margot. Uh, it's interesting, and then the right we have Renfro and Franmil. There's there's direct competition between these four men for two spots. Uh, I, I don't know what the answer is. I've, I've seen numerous rumors with the Padres uh, potentially shopping Hunter Renfro, Manuel Margot, and Fran Reyes. I've seen all three of their names in, in, in trade rumors. I haven't seen Franchi's name in trade rumors, but I think that that's more teams don't necessarily have a high value on him right now. I think the Padres are trying to maximize value. Uh, Renfro had a productive year last year. At times was was incredible offensively and looked like he kind of turned the corner with his uh, plate discipline. We all know what Fran Mill does. And then Margot had that high upside. Two years ago, Padre fans were, were viewing him as the best complete player on the team. He looked a little lost last year. Defensive, defensively, he made some mistakes. He looked timid. Uh, offensively, he's still not walking enough. He's not getting on base enough to be a viable leadoff type candidate. So I can see whether his tarnish is 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 he's a little bit of tarnish on him, but you're still talking about a, a, a young man who's 23, 24 years old. There's there's a lot to like, so I I, I don't know. There's no there's no clear cut answer. Again, the Padres have ridiculous amount of questions and no answers. So uh, I think that's what's driving fans wild more than anything is that there's no clear cut answer. We got five outfielders, no shortstop or no clear shortstop, no third baseman to speak of. And a couple of catchers that should be both starting, a uh, young rotation. It, it, there's question marks everywhere. There, there is. But again, it's not as though this is a team with no, no farm system and no young players on the way. There's plenty of young players on the way. So, it's 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 about evaluation and about trading the players who they deem expendable and getting assets that are potentially going to take them to the next level do you have a preference like if you had to pick three is it it's obviously fran mill um you seem I, I, you high know, on myers Fra- fran mill and, and myers would be my corner outfielders and i think i would probably start whoever uh, if it's a lefty or right-hander on the mound uh being that cordero is a left-hander and margo's right-handed um i love the bat that franchi brings to the plate and the ability i mean he's a stat cast monster i mean he hit the ball 490 feet last year or something in Arizona. I mean, and continually hits the ball harder than, than most uh, outfielders, but then he strikes out at at a third of the time, if not higher, which is troubling. Uh, There's some defensive concerns. This is a guy who was drafted as a shortstop initially who's moved to the outfield. He has the speed and athletic ability, but they're still learning the position. There's still the nuances of the game, judging balls and stuff like that, that are, that are lacking. Um, Renfro and Franmil are pretty pretty even. They are offensive weapons that don't bring much to the table defensively. Uh, Renfro has a massively powerful arm, but is not refined enough to kind of hit his cutoff man continually, and is, is a little wild with that. He takes minor detail, curious, right? <laughs> yeah, the minor detail from a right fielder. But again, he'll come up and, and he'll throw someone out the plate, and you just kind of leave your jaw dropping. Uh, Franmil has a plus arm, but again, you're talking about a guy that's six five, two hundred seventy five pounds. There's only a mat- there's just only a certain amount of ground that he can cover out there, uh, and you know he does a decent job. But again, neither one are going to be Gold Glove caliber outfielders. So the Padres have issues, and then then there's Travis Jankowski, who's who's probably the perfect number four, number five outfielder, a guy that you can platoon uh, in there can throw in for, for Reyes late in day in the game when, when you need a, a defensive replacement. Uh, and he's the odd man out right now. I, I think he still has options, but I'm not sure. And there's gotta be a trade. There's, there's, there's gotta be a trade. I think that, um, the AJ Preller's phone and, uh, is going to be pretty active in the next month or so before uh, spring training starts. This team has got to make at least a move or two. So we need to talk about something very serious. Uh, is the San Diego chicken back? 
I saw that is something. I yeah, saw it, is... and it is just the hottest topic on Padres Twitter right now. It, it, dude, I have I've written about this numerous times. I've been on this team about hi- embracing history, and it seems like they're doing it. But I'm I'm kind of hesitant. Like, is this just because it's the fiftieth season, or is this a continuous thing? I, I know that the chicken and the team had a falling out. Um, in the 80s or 90s. The wildest thing uh, I've ever heard. Yeah. The, I mean, he was before the fanatic. I mean, he was the godfather of, of mascots. And in typical Padre fashion, they allowed him to leave because they didn't want to embrace history. It, it, this seems like it's the root of the problem with this team continually. They just, it's just, it drives me wild that they don't embrace things like that. This, it, Instead, we have a, a friar walking around who kind of is just there. I mean, I, I, I don't want to talk anything bad about him. He doesn't do anything annoying, but he's not interactive. He's not – it's just a different feel. And, and uh, he was at FanFest. They did bring him back. Uh, Ed Giovanolis is the uh, man inside the chicken suit. He is getting up there in age, so I don't know if he can necessarily – put on a full season worth of shows but i did read somewhere that the team is going to have him in for select games it'll probably be uh when they have throwback uh fridays or, or wednesday way back wednesdays when they wear their uh their old school uniforms i i didn't know that pete rose at one point wore the chicken suit at wrestlemania i'm not even gonna lie <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like i'm scrolling through chicken history and it says pete rose wore the costume i was like i'm yeah. sorry like 